0: Amen. Start a new series tonight on famous verses from the Bible. Amen. Praise God. And uh, we're going to start with the most famous verse in the Bible. Most of you already know what that is. And um, we're going to, in fact, it is the heartbeat of the Bible. John 3.16, the heartbeat of the Bible. Many of you people already have this verse memorized. But what I'd like for you to do is not so much memorize the verse, but understand who the Savior is in the verse, to understand the victory that Jesus Christ brings in one's life. You know, you can know John 3:16 and quote it, and never be saved. And thank God, tonight we're going to talk about some things that will help you be stronger in the Lord. Let's all stand. We'll begin reading with verse 17, or no, verse uh, 15, rather. Down to verse 17, three verses. I've often said you should never read John 3.16 without reading John 3.17. I preached a sermon one time, the verse that could have been the brightest, only it was too close to the brightest. John 3.16 is the brightest verse in the Bible. But John 3.17 is equally as powerful. It's just setting aside a greater light. I want to use for a subject tonight, John 3.16. Maybe seated. John 3.16. Now, if you don't have a King James Bible, this probably won't mean a whole lot to you. But if you do have a King James Bible, verse 16 has 25 words. The first 12 words is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, And then it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Guess what's in the middle of this verse? Son. Isn't that beautiful? And I want you to know my salvation, the Son of God is in the middle of all my salvation. In fact, he is my salvation. A lot of people believe that the whole world knows about John 3.16. I used to travel out west a lot and um, I'd been driving most of the night. We just got through with a revival meeting. I was driving across um, Lake Tahoe and back into Nevada for another meeting there. And on my way, um, I stopped a lot along the way. My grandson said to me when he went with me down to Texas, Grandpa, you leak a lot. Well, back then I drank a lot of, you know, soda pop or whatever. And I stopped at convenience stores quite often. At this time, I was stopping to drink pop because I was trying to stay awake. You say, coffee works better. Yeah, it does if you can stand the stuff. It's too nasty. But anyway, I know I'm not helping our our courtesy booth back there at all right now. But nonetheless, this convenience store, it was a... 7-11. 7-11. Some of you don't know what a 7-11 is, but it's 7-11. And I pulled into the parking lot. It was early in the morning, about 3 in the morning. And I mean, the whole thing was dead. There was nothing going on. The, I mean, I was the only one there. And I got out of my van where we'd been traveling, and I was pretty much asleep, and and so what I did is as I walked into the door, there was one lady at the counter. She was about to sleep herself. She's the only one in the building. And I was the only one with her in the building. And as I walked into the convenience store, I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I made my way to the counter and the lady looked at me she said, that's beautiful. Did you write that? I said, no. My God wrote that. Oh, that's beautiful. I've never heard that before. Would you explain that to me a little bit? I said, well, yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I did. I explained the verse to her and it was incredible. The the spirit of God was moving. She's crying like a baby. And I was getting ready to lead her in a in a time of prayer, you know, to to seal the deal. And about that time, a bunch of thugs come in, and of course, I didn't get to finish the deal because she got distracted. I don't know whether she ever got saved or not. I'm I'm convinced that she did because I feel that that was a predestined, um, scheduled appointment that morning with her because it's not I who saves. It's God who saves It's not I who saves, and it's Jesus who does the work. And though I got back in my van and drove away, Jesus stayed right there, I have no doubt. And he moved upon her life, and I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to say she got saved. I don't know if she did or not, but I'm just my faith saying, man, she got gloriously saved. All right? We used to have an outreach in Springfield. We had three or 400 people saved through that outreach that we had bought there in Springfield on Dale Street, an old church house. Uh, Drew maybe remembers that, I'm not sure. Probably not because it, I think you come later on. But anyway, it was a little church and, and we'd go out door knocking and invite people to church. Well, right beside the church, there was this little house And um, I made my way up the sidewalk, it was a long sidewalk, and I made my way up the sidewalk, and I started to knock on her door, a woman was in it, she said, what do you want? And I said, ma'am, I just come to invite you out to the house. I don't want to hear it, get off my porch. I said, well, I'm just trying to share, I don't want to hear it, get off my porch, well, I found my way down that sidewalk feeling like I was walking the plank. I got out of there. Well, I thought, shoot, I'll never go to that house again. She's rude. Several months later, in fact, it was about a year later, I'm walking up the sidewalk and I hear someone sobbing and crying. I looked over there and there she was sitting on her porch And she had a Bible, and she's just going like this to a Bible. And she was crying and just squalling and bawling. And the Holy Spirit said, walk up that sidewalk and ask her what's wrong. I said, what? Am I crazy? And the Lord says, yes, you are. Get up there. (laughs) And so I walked up that sidewalk, and I said, ma'am, ma'am. And she looked up and said, oh, it's you. And I said, yeah, it's me. I said, why are you crying? She said, she, she just kept saying, she kept saying, I know it's in here. And she's throwing in, I know it's in here. I know it's in here. She's, she's flipping pages of the Bible. I know it's in here. And I said, what? She said, where God loves me. Where I can be saved. Do you know where it's at? Wow. Hallelujah. I knew exactly where it was at. And I shared Jesus Christ with her. Remember this one thing Everlasting life is not a recipe, it is not a group of do's and don'ts or a certain um, series of events. Everlasting life is a person, it is not a recipe, it is not a formula. Everlasting life is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, and I'll prove that to you in just a little bit. But God loves you. I want to begin by just saying God loves you, you who lives in this world. And now, you live in this world, and God loves you. Notice it says, for God so loved the world. Now, that doesn't mean that he loves the perversion of the world. That doesn't mean that he loves the the. Uh, vicious wickedness of the world it just means he loves the people that live in the world he loves you god loves you he loves you that live in this world and in this world you will be pelted and beaten with sorrows in this world, you will be afflicted with sin and iniquity. In this world, you will be deceived, you'll be you'll be hurt, you'll be broken, you'll 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 starve for some kind of attention one day to live forever. Within your heartbeat, God has put eternity in your heart. You have a hunger to live forever, and 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 God put it there. I said, God put it there, and God loves you in this world in which you live. In this world, people die. In this world, people get uh, killed uh, uh, in tragic deaths. In this world, people go through horrific moments in their life. And the truth is, sometimes there is no answers. Sometimes there's only grief. Sometimes there is no answer. Sometimes there's only pain. But the only pain, the only thing that can compensate for the deep pain in your heart. Is the love of God you see the love of God is the antidote for the pain and sorrow in your heart and the truth is everybody has a broken heart if your heart gets broken if you have a broken heart the last thing you need to do the last thing you should ever do never never turn to the world for its antidotes don't turn to liquor don't turn to beer don't turn to marijuana Don't turn to drugs... Don't ter- turn to the pleasure of sin. Don't turn to the things of the world. The thing, if you've got a broken heart, turn to he that is the only one that can heal a broken heart and his name is Jesus Christ. If you drowned it in beer, you drowned it in liquor, you drowned it in drugs, you drowned it in the pleasure of this world, all you do is cover up a bleeding, broken heart and you will die in that situation. You need a heart surgeon. His name is Jesus Christ. You need a heart uh, uh, transplant in your soul. You need Jesus Christ. And you don't turn to the world to get what you need to go to heaven because the world doesn't provide what you need to go to heaven. Only Jesus Christ provides that. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Notice that we live in this world and we can't, you know, the, the only way off this planet is a graveyard. Unless the Lord comes for his church and then <laughs> we'll bypass the graveyard. But the honest truth is, the wages of sin is death. Everyone in this room, if the Lord carries his coming, you're going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. I'm talking about physically. But if you know Jesus Christ, you'll never die. You'll just step into the presence of God and there live forever. Let me point out some things about John 3.16. It's a powerful verse. John 3.16 says, for God. I want you to understand, all powerful God has moved on your behalf. God loves you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God, for God so loved the world. For God, the powerful God, the God who hung the universe... The God who put the stars above our head, the God who made the constellations, the God who made the cosmos, the God who made heaven and earth, the God who has all power, all strength, all love, He loves you, He cares for you, and that God has moved on your behalf. Isn't that beautiful? John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has loved in this verse. God has moved in this verse. God has gave in this verse. And God has performed a great miracle for us in this verse. Isn't that beautiful? For God so loved the world, the greatest power, period, God. Loves you. And if this great, wonderful God loves you, how could you possibly lose? The only way you can lose is you if you deny this God. The only way you could lose is if, if you don't understand what God has done for you. Amen. I know it's been snowy and cold, but you need to respond a little better. Amen? Hello. All-powerful God has moved on our behalf. He gave His only... Did you know God's a giver? God's a giver. When God created the heavens... Did you know God, when He made all of creation, He made... The light and the sun and the water and divided the waters from the, uh, uh, from the firmament and from the land, from dry land to, to water. And God created the fruit trees and the animals, and God created everything. And the last thing He created was what? Man. Well, really, Eve, but you know what I'm talking about. God created man. What did He do first? Well, He gave man plenty of oxygen to breathe how much you need. Well, look up in the sky on a clear day and you could never begin to breathe at all. Amen. When I was growing up younger as a young person, they thought hairspray was going to destroy the ozone. And I thought, how in the world could hairspray destroy the ozone? Amen. you talk about an incredible engine-like Planet Earth, that God has created this incredible engine like planet Earth. You really think a can of hairspray is going to stop that? No. Sure, it makes some ugly hairdos, but it, it's not going to destroy the planet. Amen? Hello? How many of you ever threw those hairspray cans into a fire? <laughs> like torpedoes at you. Amen? And when I'd throw them into the fire and they'd start to hiss a little bit, I'd hide behind my brother. Well, now I hide behind my brother to call Jesus. And Jesus says, quit throwing things into the fire. Right? Now, notice all-powerful God has moved on our behalf. He gave his son. He gave his son. Listen to me. God gives us air to breathe. He gives us water to drink. He gives us food to eat. He gives us life. He sustains us. He blesses us. He gives us family and friends. He gives us all these things. God is a giver. God is a giver. He continuously gives. Every morning you give up, God, every morning you get up from bed, God gives you another day. Every time you take another breath, God gives you another breath. God is a giver. He's a giver. And he wants to give you something far greater than oxygen to breathe, far greater than that which sustains you physically. God wants to give you something that will give you eternal, everlasting life. And that something is not something. That something is someone, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. How do you claim it? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice it does not say they will not perish. It said they should not. I want you to notice John 3, 16 is no guarantee that you're gonna to go to heaven. The guarantee is knowing Jesus Christ, your personal savior. The guarantee is Jesus Christ being, your, being in your life. He gave his son that we should not perish. And I'm glad I changed the should not perish as I will not perish. Amen change it with the powerful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice in the fact that God gave his Son, that we would have everlasting life. I pointed this out many times when I was preaching funerals and whatever. You notice verse 15 says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then I mentioned John three sixteen, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I point this out many times in funeral services. You notice there's a difference between eternal life and everlasting life? say, are they the same? Yes, they're the same, but one means more than the other means. In other words, eternal means more than what everlasting means, and everlasting means more than what eternal means. They mean the same thing, but the the overemphasis is on eternal life. Eternal life is the um, quantity of days, eternal, everlasting days. But the everlasting is the quality of life. You'll never wear out. Isn't that good? If I've got something that's everlasting, it's not a Ford Mustang. If I've got something that's everlasting, it's not this physical body that I'm living in. Hello? If I've got something everlasting, it's not anything of this world. What is everlasting is what you and I have by our faith and our possession of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Isn't that good? Now, I guess we come to the next question would be this. Everlasting life. What is it? Just what is everlasting life? You know, everybody wants everlasting life. But what is it? So, well die, it means never die. Yeah, but what is everlasting life? Really, what is it? How do you obtain it? It's not a formula. It's not a, a, a set recipe. It's not a set of rules. It's not work. What is everlasting life? And I want to answer that, what is everlasting life, And I want you to go with me to 1 John and we're going to answer what everlasting life is in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, what is, let's look at 1 John chapter 1 first. Let's go to chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. 1 John, and we're talking about what is everlasting life. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. He's talking here about Jesus. Parentheses, for the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that, what? Eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. The eternal life was with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus Christ is the light of this creation. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him not anything that was made, and in Him was life. And that life is the light of men. And Jesus Christ, the word of God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. I tell you without any apology, eternal life is Jesus Christ. Eternal life is not your works. Eternal life is not your ability. Eternal life is not a recipe. Eternal life is not a set of rules. Eternal life is not something you make or build or work for or to obtain. Eternal life is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John 4, 19. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Who loved us first? Jesus Christ. God loved us first. We didn't love him. Before we knew him, we lived like a devil. We didn't love him. But once Jesus Christ shows his manifestation of love to us because he first loved us, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Now I want you to look at verse 10, same chapter 4 herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Someone says, what in the world is a propitiation? Well, propitiation is where God in his holiness and wrath has been sued by an atonement. Propitiation is simply this. Now, And years ago, back when people didn't know God, they threw their babies to the crocodiles in the Nile River. What were they trying to do? They were trying to have a propitiation. They were trying to find a place of some type of reckoning with the gods. But Jesus Christ is our propitiation. You see, all the other religions of the world, at least uh, pagan religions like Baal and Astroth and and, uh, all those other pagan uh, gods, uh, Moloch and those gods, they require blood of their worshipers. But in the Bible, God does not require blood of his worshipers. God supplies the blood through his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? God supplies the blood. God's not after blood for us. God supplies the blood. The, what it, this is the mystery of godliness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery of God's great power. God who could not die, died. God who could not have blood God blood through the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, coming to earth to be a propitiation for us to soothe the anger of His Father. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to settle the animosity, to settle the the uh, 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 the uh, abrasiveness, to settle the the awkwardness, to settle the rejection of God Almighty. Jesus Christ comes to settle that to be the propitiation, the soothing of His Father. To bring to us eternal life through his son. Jesus is eternal life. Amen. Isn't that good? Notice verse 20 of chapter 5. Verse 20 of chapter 5. And it just kind of seals the deal. We know that the Son of God has come and have given us understanding. See, we need to have understanding of who Jesus is. Given us understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even his Son, Jesus Christ, that is the true God. Two things. Jesus is the true God. Ever say true God? Jesus is the true God and he is eternal life. Some, there, there's way too many people trying to figure out how to get eternal life. It's not something that you travel the world over to find. It's not something that you work for or a recipe, a formula. It's not something that you have do's and don'ts. Well, if I'm a good boy, I'll have everlasting life. No, if you're a good boy, you're going to die and go to hell, drop dead, die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. Good don't isn't good enough. Being nice isn't nice enough. Being a good person isn't good enough. You've got to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ because we are all born wrong. Amen? It didn't take me long after I brought my firstborn son home that babies are a messy deal. You may know what I'm talking about. Babies are a a messy deal. It didn't take long for me to figure out. I I love the words of John R. Rice. John R. Rice had a house full of girls, didn't have a boy. And they asked John R. Rice, when do you spank your children? He said, "Well, the girls, you got to start spanking them at about two, but the boys start right off the bat, start immediately." Well, I don't know whether that's true or not, but I do know this: I give my mom a lot of trouble. I put this in my new book that went out. Mom took me to school. I'd been in trouble. She took me to school, and she she broke off a big long switch, and she took me to school. And I said, mom, what are you going to do with that switch? She says, you'll see. And she took me to school, third grade, walked me into the classroom before school was to start. She hands the switch to my school teacher, and my school teacher says, what's this? And my mother says, it works good on James. Now, Barbara knows that Marjorie Jane would do that, and she did. Amen? See, I behaved myself in that class because the teacher had the inside story. Amen? I want you to know, you and I as Christians have the inside story. We know that Jesus Christ is eternal life. You can struggle with that. You can struggle with the fact, well, I ain't good enough. Well, welcome to the crowd. Nobody is. You can struggle with the fact that you're you're struggling with your salvation. You can struggle with all that. And you can say, well, I got to do this, got to do that to have everlasting life. No, everlasting life is Jesus Christ. I know what you're saying, right? I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, Well, if it's that easy and that simple, then we can just sin and do what we want to do. No. Jesus has a switch. And he does chasten us when we do wrong. But wait a minute. It's bigger than that. It isn't that we can do anything wrong we want to do because if we do everything wrong we want to do, we really don't have Jesus Christ. If we have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will transform us into a new creature. He will change us into his likeness. And the more we spend time with Jesus Christ, the more we're like him. The more we walk like him, the more we talk like him. Everlasting life is not works and do's and don'ts, and you can you can say, Well, that's too easy. We can just sin and say, I believe in Jesus. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches if you consume Jesus Christ, if you if you Assimilate Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible teaches when Jesus Christ becomes deep within, embedded in your heart, we love Him because He first loved us. That's what it's all about. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know what you're thinking. Well, that's just too easy. You know, we got to add some stuff to this. And Barbara knows what I'm talking about. Churches get sidetracked because they don't think God can handle this. Well, trust me, Jesus Christ can handle you. Trust me, he can handle you. He doesn't need any help from me or anybody else in this room to save you. Jesus Christ can do that on his own. But it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't run to the world, drink and smoke and take drugs and think you're going to smother a broken heart or smother. All you're going to do is complicate things. All you're going to do is make your life miserable. All you're going to do is make it miserable for other people. But when Jesus Christ comes in your life, you can be, as I preach Sunday morning, you can be part of the Jesus generation. You can break the curse. And you can live for Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what church? Everlasting life. God sent his son because his son is everlasting life. And his son went to the cross of Calvary. Oh, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He performed miracles. He walked on water. He proved he was God Almighty. He proved he was the son of God. Oh, yes, he performed the miracles. Oh, yes, he sent us the good word of God from heaven. Oh, yes, he's the bread that come down from heaven. And if we eat of the bread, we'll never hunger again. Oh, yes, he's the water of life. And we drink of him, we'll never thirst again. Oh, yes, Jesus Christ came as a miracle worker down from heaven, robed in the flesh of mankind. And God was inside of him, reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus Christ performs a miracle, and he marches up to the cross of Calvary. And he takes your sin, my sin, he sheds his blood, he agonizes on the cross of Calvary, he dies for propitiation. He dies for our sin debt. He dies on the cross of Calvary. He takes our sin and puts it away. He takes our past and throws it away. And he says, now you believe me. You trust me. And you believe that I died for you, buried, and rose again from the dead. I'm your Savior. I'm going back to the Father. I go back to the Father. I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house from in Mark it down. Jesus Christ is returning. We're his child. We're washed in his blood. He rose again from the dead. He ever living to make intercession for you and I. He is everlasting life. He is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus that if we would believe, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus was sent, so you should not perish. Jesus was sent, so you should not perish. Sent, so you wouldn't perish. And Jesus came not into the world, verse 17. God sent not his son into the world, condemned the world, to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. That's good. Isn't that a good verse. I, I'm thankful for the fact that everlasting life is Jesus Christ. I want us to look at this verse again, real quick, verse 17, because it is the verse that my demand. It's so close to John 3:16. If it had been anywhere else in the Bible, it might have been the most famous verse. If verse 17 would have been anywhere else anywhere else in the Bible, it might have been brighter than John 3:16. But John 3:16 just kind of absorbs it all in it swallows it up it's like the sun taking in life and giving life verse 17 for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved who's it through? is it through a recipe? no is it through a do's and don'ts? no is it through your good works? no is it through a formula? no It's through Jesus Christ. And he comes and dies on the cross of Calvary so that you can have eternal life. And you can say all day long, that's too easy. No, it's not too easy. Jesus Christ paid the greatest price in all of creation so that you and I could live forever. Amen? Hello? I use this illustration. and I'll wrap it up with this illustration. When you go to the hospital or to a high several-story building, they have have what's in it an elevator, right? Now, you can take the stairs, and you might do that if you're a young man or a young woman, but when you get older, you're not taking the stairs. You're going to get in that box that says going up, Amen. You know, I walked into elevator. And said going up, and I was sitting with, standing beside a, a crowded elevator, and they said, and the elevator said going up, and I said, I oh, none, none of us are going down. And and guy spoke up and said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, down is the place you don't want to go. He said, you mean down in the next floor? I said, no. In the bottom floor is the morgue. from there it goes to hell. He didn't like my conversation. <laughs> Let me share with you just a little about the elevator. The Bible says that Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for us. He is the propitiation. He gave his life for us. Salvation is free but it is not cheap. When you get in an elevator and you just step inside and it says, going up, you don't have to do a thing. You just step in that elevator, the door closes, and you go up. So easy. So easy. But somebody who built that elevator The engineer that put it on a blueprint and laid it out. The steel workers that welded the steel together, the cable put it together, to put that elevator together took sweat, blisters, time, and effort. And for you to step inside that elevator, going up, that's easy. But the men who built that elevator, that was extremely hard. Now, I want you to know Jesus Christ built for us an elevator going up. And Jesus, with blisters, with stripes, with bloodletting, with agonizing, going to the tomb, rising again from the grave, he built a way for us to step inside, I Am the door, Jesus Christ said, "I am the door." He made a way for us to step inside, so the preacher can shout, "Going up!" Is it? Too, you say it's too easy? No, it's not too easy. Jesus paid an agonizing price for you to be able to get in that going up. Isn't that good? No one will ever get in an elevator again without remembering my going up. Right? Amen. Now, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I saw on YouTube where a woman got in the elevator. She had a dog with her. And the dog is on a leash and collar. And the woman gets in the elevator and the door shut before the dog got in the elevator. Going up. And so was the dog on the outside. And if it hadn't have been for a quick moving individual to unsnap that leash from that dog, that dog would have been going up into plaster and steel and it would be dead doggy. I want you to know if you try to go up any other way, you're a dead doggy. And I'm here to try to unclip you from your lease and tell you get in the elevator. Get in Christ. Amen. Well, you mean I can't go to the bars. I didn't say that. You can go to the bars. I used to go to the bars. In fact, I still go to the bars. It's a dove soap bar, a lava bar, ice cream bar, food bar I've not been delivered from all bars golden crow bar salad bar soap bar huh I'm not saying that you've got to do this and this and this and this to go there I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the pivot point for you and once you give him your life he, he takes nothing but all of you He doesn't take a piece of you. He takes all of you. And when you give your all to Jesus Christ, He will absolutely transform your life. So how would I do that? Well, you can start by coming and hearing these sermons on famous scriptures, famous verses from the Bible, because I'm going to deal with simple, famous verses that will transform your life if you're struggling in any way concerning your salvation. I believe today helps some of you. And some of you watching online, this helps some of you. Amen. Amen. And this this message will go out, and I believe it will help people. And next week we'll be in the Old Testament, the most famous verse in the Old Testament. Say, so what is it? Figure it out before Wednesday. All right. And we're going to just grow in the Lord. And have God's blessing. Amen. I want everybody to say going up. Come on, say it again. Going up. That's what we want to do. We want to go up. Stand with me. Josh is going to bring a song. I'd like to go up tonight in what is called the rapture. I don't want to go in a rupture. I want to go in a rapture. Amen. Amen. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I'm not looking for an undertaker. I'm looking for an upper taker. He could come in any moment. I laid in bed last night. Well, last two nights I laid in bed and thought, wouldn't it be extremely incredible if you just came tonight, Jesus? Amen? There's going to be a whole lot of people left behind. They're going to be mad at God because they were just as good as the preacher. Well, the truth is you're not just as good as a preacher. I have Jesus, you don't. If you don't make the rapture, you don't have Jesus. That makes you lost and me saved because I have Jesus. Amen? Though there'll be a lot of people mad. I served God, but he left me behind. I'm angry at God because he left me behind. Listen to me, a little dab of do you on Sunday morning or every other Sunday, little dab of do you isn't being born again. It's being religious. It's being hopeful that you're right with God. i got to stop. But I want you to understand that John 3.16, you are not saved by God's love. You're saved because of God's love. I'm not saved by God's love. God doesn't save us by His love. I'm saved not by God's love. I'm saved because of God's love. Because everybody who dies and goes to hell, God loves. John 3:16. it's not that, you, that you're loved that guarantees you heaven. It's that you have Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his own God. See, there's a crucifixion, there's a death, there's a resurrection, there's a Jesus. We're not saved by love. We're saved because of love. We're saved because Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and agonized and died on that cross because he loves us. He paid the price. Amen. He paid the price. We're going to give an invitation. I want to invite you to come. Maybe you'd like to come tonight and just pray this simple prayer. God, I want to believe and just trust that you are everlasting life. I just want to believe tonight Jesus you are my eternal life you are my everlasting life we'll work out the bugs later we'll work out the the hurts and the and and the complications of the snags later i just want you to know i believe that you are everlasting life i believe you did what you did because you love me and i repent of my sins i grieve away from my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to give me. Just give me you, because having you is everlasting life. Altars open. You come.